Coming up on the Financial Food Fight, we discuss retailers, retail sales, and all three indexes hit a record high. What's next for stocks? This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, Financial Food Fight. Hello and welcome. It's Friday, so it must be time for the food fight. Uh, Paul Vina's on vacation. I don't know how we let that happen, but Steve Grocer's here in the studio with Jack Otter, as always, uh, and Kevin Kingsbury and Aaron Kurloff as well, and Chuck Jaffe is on the uh, phone. And Chuck, I think we owe you an, uh, an apology because we you got bumped uh, last week for our long, long involved discussion of cargo shorts. Uh, well, yeah, it, it didn't exactly bother me. I mean, you know, <laughs> here when on my podcast and, and show on Fridays in the summer, we do what are called No Pants Fridays. So the fact that you were talking about cargo shorts was uh, we don't even wear pants on Fridays. So. Well, we figured you'd actually have some. You, you could have probably added uh, a little bit to the discussion. Can you bottom uh, line us for us? Where did you come out? Uh, like I said, I, I really don't want to go there at all. <laughs> I don't. Let, let's just say it, it would be unwise to ask me questions that have anything to do with any sort of fashion sense or even a lack of fashion sense. It's just... Um, I think yeah, that goes for a, all of us. This is basically the line that sums us up on No Pants Fridays, but it sums me up every day. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. There you go. <laughs> um, but this week... To sort of make a transition from cargo shorts has been a big week for retailers and retail sales. Um, retail uh, socks were flying the last two days. But should we have any confidence that this is going to continue? I'd say no. Uh, I think the reason that I, I don't think, I mean, it's pretty clear the reason they went up is because they didn't do quite as horribly as Wall Street expected. Uh, JCPenney only lost a nickel a share when the street expected 15 cents a share. Basically, everybody's numbers were negative. You know, sales were worse than last year. Profits were worse than last year. It's just they weren't quite as, as horrible. Yeah, guidance was bad. They were cutting stores. I mean, right. that seemed to be what cheered the street was their yeah, exactly. getting rid of stores. So they yeah, recognized the fact that they're a dying industry. Well, you go the other way with this. It's fine. The retailers went up by doing things that you know are sort of bad if you're looking at the economy. REIT stocks went down, and that's because that's what happens when you know the retailers are doing stuff that's bad for the economy. You know, when Macy's says we're going to close 100 stores... That is not good for REIT operators. So, great. The retail sales numbers are better than expected, but expectations were low. But the bigger picture, when you pull back the lens and you look at a wider angle, right. it's and clearly you, not good news. And if you look at it, Macy's, Kohl's, and Nordstrom are all up 16% or so between yesterday and today. That gets you all the way back to <laughs> early May levels. So it's hardly <laughs> robust as far as, oh, these stocks ran up so much but they had run down so far. So they're now down 40% or something instead of 50%. Exactly. Indeed. And they've also been incredibly volatile. I mean, that you wrote a post about that uh, earlier this week, Kevin, where, I mean, they were shockingly moving basically to around 15 to 2% um, every day. Right, yeah. That's since their first quarter reports back in May, and that's what precipitated these latest slides from which the stocks yesterday and today were able to rebound from. See, but here's the interesting thing. You get a situation like this 
And while we are not necessarily anyone here bearish, even close to the level of, of Paul Vigna, <laughs> our, absent column, our absent colleague today, I don't think any of us is like wildly optimistic about, you know, oh, the market's going to keep going great, everything's fabulous. And yet, when you look at the numbers, objectively, you've got to say, okay, well, yeah, retail sales are improved. And it was funny, I talked to Martin Pring, who's a veteran technical analyst, and he basically said, I'm bullish, but I don't want to be. Hmm. Everything in my soul tells me, no, th- this isn't great, you know, nothing's fabulous, etc. But I look at all the numbers and all the formulas, and all the formulas tell me i got to be bullish. And that's a very interesting place to be, because if, you're, if you react on your emotions, this is going to be a very troubling time for you. If you react on what the data tells you, well, at least you'll be following your formula, and then we'll see what happens next. Yeah, to defend an article I read a couple of weeks ago about the consumer and uh, possibly pushing the stock market to new highs, the, something that happened yesterday, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the economic data for consumer spending looks reasonably good. Mortgage rates are low, labor market improving. There's a lot of things that suggest you could have gains in retail stocks. It's just that um, they don't seem to have any way to cope with the intrusion of e-commerce and other factors. Well, is it possible that we could, in fact, see a resurgent consumer, but that classic retail plays are never going to be the same? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that. that certainly uh, well, I mean, and that's one of the big questions that I think we've seen this spring is the divergence between the department stores and everyone else. I mean, you look at the retail sales figures this uh, that came out this morning. You know, you get rid of auto sales, and they're down three percent or point three percent. Um, which sort of was it was disappointing because it uh, consumer spending had been one of the big sort of pushes of the economy is doing okay it's holding up because consumers make up two thirds of you know GDP right. right and it's just more muddle because each month in the second quarter retail sales rose month to month before this drop for July and then in the first quarter it fell or was flat each month or each month in that quarter. So there's still no consistency as to, well, which way are we going as far as the government's read on retail sales is. Yeah. And also, I mean, that seems like like you could spread that out across all the economic data mm-hmm. that's sort of coming in. It seems like we take two steps forward and we take two steps back. I mean, you look at you know, the jobs report that came out for July, very strong. You know, people were getting bullish. Maybe September's on the plate. Then you look at GDP, productivity, and now retail sales. I mean, and September looks like, no, there's not a chance. And December's maybe iffy. Could could the money be going somewhere else, consumer money? Uh, ex, you know, experience supposedly is trumping stuff. Uh, are we seeing hotels, travel, and leisure going up? I'm just not sure. Well, well Priceline and Expedia recently didn't have terribly optimistic things to say. And then certainly in the spring, we've all seen how the restaurant sales have dried up pretty quickly. Yeah. So if... Like you said, if it's not going to experiences or if it's not going to food and it's not going to department stores, are we just mattress stuffing? Where is this, <laughs> where, what are we doing? Yeah, um, Restaurants were a big bright spot. And then, yeah, as you say, faded. it was a bright spot that faded quickly. And, uh, I mean, I actually did look at the hotel uh, and those sectors, the leisure travel and stuff. And it's just not... You know, it's not the things that are gaining the most in the market. And the things that are gaining the most in the market are the, you know, I'm very scared plays that seem to have led us here until recently when things like tech started to take back off. 
Big news for restaurants, however. Uh, correct me here. Burger King has just launched something new. I think it's a hamburger in a wrap or something. I'm very excited about this. I'm trying to pull up the news right yes, now. Yes, it's called the Whopperino. That's right, the Whopperino. I think wow. this could turn it around. <laughs> well, the McDonald's needs to bring back uh, the McRib. Okay. Again. And you can have those in the morning if you can have breakfast at night. Everything, right? For McDonald's. Bring back the McRib. Yeah, no, that really is the answer. I had, I had a friend who was a vegetarian for about a year and broke being a vegetarian just because McDonald's brought back the McRib. He means like, you never know when that's going to happen. Plus, <laughs> that friend knew that they'd only stop being a vegetarian for a limited time only. <laughs> I think that's a good place to stop it. When we get, come back, we'll talk about the three indexes hitting an all-time high. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington and on the campaign trail. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Financial Food Fight. Um, for more podcasts like Your Money Matters, Free For All, Speakeasy, Heard on the Street, What's News, Tech News Briefing, WSJ Opinion, and of course, Money Beat, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcast. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on Google Play Music app or on Android devices. And I think I got through that mouthful nearly as well as Paul does. I'm always impressed when Paul can get through that. Um, Aaron, you got stuck here a little bit late last night um, because (laughs) the stock market did something it hasn't done in quite a long time. All three major indexes closed at an all-time high. When was the last time that happened? That was December 31st, 1999. I still remember what I was doing. I think a lot of people remember what they were doing that day. And as Paul wrote today, I think people had another concern on their minds that day. Uh, Yes, that would be the Y2K bug that uh, we were all worried was going to bring airplanes out of the sky. And I remember sitting on Miami Beach while the fireworks went off and watching a plane fly overhead and thinking, well, that that looks okay. (laughs) That's a good New Year's Eve, I have to say. It was a bad New Year's Eve, yeah. I was with my then-girlfriend, and now we have two children. So that worked out pretty well, all things considered. Another big problem was explaining to the DJ that (laughs) they were actually a year late in playing. Yes. No, guys, it's it's actually two things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, I mean, anytime we hit, like, you know, some kind of factoid like that or some kind of, you know, marker, it's a good chance to sort of take a sort of step back and ask, like, you know, this bull market is getting old in the tooth. Can stocks push higher from here? Uh, Well, there's uh, certainly a fair bit of people who think the path of least resistance is higher. Um, There's a lot of underlying support from central banks and stimulus efforts, especially after Brexit when some of those things were renewed. Uh, you know, Japan's still making efforts at uh, some efforts at easing, though maybe some at fiscal reform too. Uh, and the Fed keeps pushing it off. So, in the face of that, uh, it's hard to see for a lot of people what would uh, 
you know, what would what would keep at least this drift higher from going on. It's not, you know, it's not like 1999 where, you know, you don't see things like Qualcomm gaming 12% a day or whatever was going on back no, then. No, instead it's Nordstrom and Payne's <laughs> and Macy's. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, sorry, that, that that made me laugh too hard to remember what I was saying. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it, it, you know, and some people think that's a bullish thing that people are concerned and worried and that... Um, that irrational exuberance where everyone's trainer was selling them tech stocks is, uh, isn't really in this market. Interestingly, the really crazy expensive stocks are the utilities, the consumer mm-hmm. goods, the safety stocks. So I guess the bull argument would be that as investors get more comfortable and they leave those, maybe they'll go back into the growth names. And we've sort of seen that a little bit with in the last like sort of month with utility stocks underperforming in comparison to like tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but like and it's also quite interesting that like the tech stocks getting the biggest bounce are the ones that actually pay a dividend too. So you're getting sort of some of the growth, but these are the big names like the Google, the Microsoft. Um, even Apple um, is, you know, performing well in the last, you know, in July. Yeah, there's a lot of dividend chasing, yield chasing in this market. A lot of, every, you know, everybody wants income. And part of it is, uh, you know, people are concerned about capital appreciation. And part of it is because your fixed income doesn't produce income. You can't buy a, you know, a 30-year municipal bond ladder anymore. <laughs> we just lost like just television. Just, you know, <laughs> television show. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, getting back to, to the – I mean, is this a, like a classic sort of melt-up, climb the wall of worry where people can like – you know, as P- our Paul, who's not here, could list off all the reasons like, you know, lackluster, job growth, economy that's growing at 1 percent, no inflation. I mean, the the list of things that investors should be concerned about are long. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the central banks are there. Right. Yeah, the central banks are there, and uh, I mean, if you look at the post-Brexit run, we're up almost ten percent, which is one definition of a melt-up. So you could say that's happened already. Um, I mean, a, a lot more folks I talked to yesterday are, you know, it's for them, it's more of a drift than a melt-up, and people think, you know, maybe the next five percent is lower rather than higher, but that uh, needn't be, cons- you know, needn't be perceived as a long-term bearish position. That we could lose five percent, and that would be a good time to buy because the, as long as there's this underpinning of support and stimulus, uh, that you know, just only so far to fall before. Um, the banks, the central banks, step in. Yeah, I would agree that there's. I don't think that there's a sign of any melt up because the indexes themselves have been moving so small mm-hmm. on a closing basis these past several weeks. I mean, point two and point three yeah. percent, either up or down. And I mean, there's no sense that there's this rush in to buy. And I think that until we see that, I think that that will be a clearer sense. And certainly yesterday's gains, I think, were just more the retail relief rally and not a sign of a melt-up either. Yeah, and let's not forget oil. Uh, right. Oil prices went up a lot, and that um, pushed the energy sector higher, which, you know, we've seen it go in both directions for, you know, a long time now. And we've also discussed, like, recently oil's been pulling back, and it's how long can stock sort of ignore that too but we're in a classic sort of also late you know sort of mid to late summer 
you know, sort of period where the volume's low, the markets aren't really, they're trading in a very narrow sort of range and slowly moving up, you know, higher. Um, that sort of raises questions about the conviction of this rally um, the last, you know, sort of month and a half. Yeah, volume's light, too. I mean, people are in the Hamptons. And, um, when, you know, Not us. I <laughs> said <laughs> people excluding myself and everyone here. Um, We're yeah. dealing with humidity that is unreasonable. Uh, yes. Um, the interesting thing, though, is right now, you know, we're we're well past that uh, the halfway point in the year. But it's interesting. A lot of the old sort of adages that you hear on Wall Street, you know, January, you know, how January goes, the rest of the year goes. Well, we're up, I think, what, 7% this year right now. Right. Um, you know, sell in May, go away. <laughs> Doesn't look like a good call. <laughs> August is one of the worst months. August is up. Um, you know, this year has been the year that has proved a lot of the old Wall Street sayings wrong. Right. Well, or at the, least so far. <laughs> those, are, mean, those are long-term, you know, long-term uh, factors. You'd have to do it every year, right? Normally, you're supposed to pay investors to buy your bonds and not take <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that, and, that, and that is the really weird thing. And we have to do a little homage to Paul, who would be bringing this point up, yep. who would have brought it up long ago. You know, when we talk about the central banks always being there, I mean, not only have they shot all of their bullets, but now they're shooting bullets backwards or whatever the correct analogy would be. So you got to think, what is the catalyst, I mean, to, to keep this economy going and the global economy going? I don't know what it is. No, I mean, that's been, I think, the big question for the We've been waiting for that for the seven, for seven years now, yeah. and it has not, you know, sort of showed up. I mean, you know, there was some hope that shale was going to be that, but that has, you know, for two years now, disappeared. You say I mean, seven. I will point out that um, Reinhardt Rogoff... It, before the crash even happened, not only predicted it, but said that yeah. these things typically take seven years to resolve themselves. Yeah. Uh, so we're now in year seven. It'd be interesting to see what happens in eight. I mean, seven, of course, is just an average, so it could yeah. go a lot longer even and stick to their script. No, that's, so. that's, that is actually, that was one of my arguments with Paul over these many years, was that this crisis was a much deeper than your typical crisis and was going to take a long time for us to get out of. Like, they, we were going to be bouncing around on the bottom for a while before we could get. But then, conversely, we've also been on pace. I think it's like a recession every seven years. Um, so we're, we're, <laughs> we're coming up on that one. So we're going one way or the other. <laughs> uh, the one interesting thing about the, the hangover is the journal story yesterday about housing prices going up, 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 but supply not coming online. And there's a great example. We built so many houses yeah. that we haven't really, I mean, to oversimplify, we haven't had to build any for seven years. Uh, that could be the sort of catalyst that will help. You know, eventually people actually started, Corning started to manufacture um, fiber optic cable again after, you know, they used up all the supply they'd yeah, made yeah. too much of in the, in the 90s. So things like that could potentially be a catalyst. I think that's a good place to end today's food fight. Um, this has been Steve Grosser with Kevin Kingsbury, Aaron Kurloff, Jack Otter, and uh, Chuck Jaffe for a little bit who's with us. Um, join us next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.